This is Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. The only sports talk show in Washington dedicated to talking Washington Capitals hockey. Hear from the players, the coaches, local and national media personalities. And call us with your questions and comments toll-free at 1-855-GO-CAPS-5. Radio 24-7. Here's your host of Capstock, Ben Raby. All right, welcome into another edition of Capstock, a Tuesday afternoon edition of the show and a game day edition of the show. As we get you set for the Capitals and the Dallas Stars, this is game one of a three-game Western road trip for the Capitals. After tonight in Dallas, the Capitals will continue out West, a little further out West, as they'll visit the Arizona Coyotes on Friday night. And then the quick turnaround taking on the Vegas Golden Knights for the first time in franchise history. And then that will do it for the first portion of the schedule for the Capitals, as they will then have the three-day mandated NHL holiday break 24th, 25th, and 26th. And then they'll ramp things up once again on December 27th, next Wednesday, if you prefer, when they visit the New York Rangers. But first things first, tonight's game against the Dallas Stars, an 8.30 Eastern puck drop at American Airlines Center, 8.15 pregame on 106.7 The Fan and the Capitals Radio Network with John Walton, Ken Sabrin, and myself. And until then... This is Caps Talk. We're with you every weekday afternoon at 4 Eastern. An encore presentation will immediately follow. You can always catch the podcast via iTunes or Android. And as always, on demand at Blueberry.com slash Caps Radio 24-7. That's Blueberry without the letter E. B-L-U-R-R-Y dot com slash Caps Radio 24-7. So it is Ben Raby back with you inside the D.C. studios this afternoon. And the Capitals set to take on Dallas. Capitals winners of three in a row, 11 of their last 14 games overall. And yes, as expected, reinforcements on the way tonight with a familiar face back in the Capitals lineup. The puck along the right wing for Backstrom. Kuznetsov in front, Burakovsky, they score! T.J. Oshi on a rebound of a Burakovsky chance with one minute and one second remaining. We're tied at three here in Detroit. Yes, TJ Oshi, good to go tonight against the Dallas Stars. He will be back after he missed six games with an upper body injury, suffered December 4th on a hit from San Jose's Joe Thornton at Capital One Arena. Now, the Capitals, they navigated all right, Sands T.J. Oshie, a 5-1 record over that six-game stretch, but no doubt a welcome addition back into the lineup tonight is T.J. Oshie. He will reunite with Evgeny Kuznetsov and Jacob Verana on the Capitals' second line, and that has a little bit of a trickle-down effect, if you will. Alex Chason moving from the second-line right-wing position down to the fourth line, Chase on the former Dallas star will skate alongside Jay Beagle and Chandler Stevenson tonight. And that means Devante Smith Pelly will sit this one out as a healthy scratch tonight as the Capitals head coach Barry Trotz. It's a good problem to have. It's a luxury. It's been a while since we've been able to say that with the Capitals. They are 
fully healthy right now, and everyone on the roster is good to go or would be good to go for tonight's game against Dallas. You have to go back to the start of the season, game number five of the regular season, the last time the Capitals had their full complement of players at their disposal. I mean, you look at the regular season, keep in mind, feels like a while ago now, but the first four games of the year, there was no Tom Wilson. He was out of four-game suspension to start the season. And then after that, you had Matt Niskanen was out for 13 games with an upper body injury. Andre Burakovsky missed 20 games in a row with a fractured thumb. TJ Oshie missing six games. A few bumps and bruises, tweaks elsewhere within the lineup this season. But tonight in Dallas, December, what are we? December 19th. This is really the first time since October 12th that the Capitals have had their full complement of players set to go tonight. And that was among the talking points earlier today as head coach Barry Trotz met with the media looking ahead to tonight's game against the Dallas Stars. This is uh, game 35 for you guys, and this is for you game two that you've had you know, a full complement of, of players, everybody healthy, everybody yeah. available to play. What, is, what does that mean to you as a coach and, and to the team? Uh, it means relief. It means that we got a little depth. Um, uh, we're playing house money a little bit, you know. And, and and to me, really, what it does is it puts it puts pressure in the group. You know, there's one guy who's trying to get back in the lineup every night, and I, I think it's it's a positive thing. You want to push each other. You want to you want to be consistent, and you want to you want to be good next to the guy that you're you're sitting on the bench and 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 playing with on the ice. Was it a tough decision to take DSP out? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I, I told him, I said, there's there's certain things as I, that I have to do uh, a little bit uh, in terms of roles, what we have on our team, and there's certain guys I need to certain situations, and also there's certain guys I, I need them to sort of find their game a little bit. So, um, you know, you're out tonight doesn't mean uh, I didn't tell him he's, you know, uh, playing poorly. Yeah, obviously we can all play better as we are as coaches. We want want them to play better but I'm um, just said you know it's a, a coach's decision nothing on you just be ready to go and you'll get another opportunity to get back in and when you do just be really good you had Chandler Stevenson start OT the other night where you what do you like about him and kind of that situation well he's done a lot obviously uh, in, the, in the minors but I like his speed I like his intelligence uh, uh, I got a lot of trust in his game I think uh, he can he can make plays he understands the the overtime pretty well and I think he's a with with um with Kuzi, I think I always start him with. Uh, I think he's a good compliment for Kuzi. I usually have gone with Osh there in the past, and I I felt that he gives a real good compliment. And what it does allow us to do is uh, is you know, and that come with uh, back in in Ovi, and sometimes you get a little lesser pair or whatever. So I always like that combination. Do you feel like you need Stevenson speed in like the bottom half of your lineup? Yeah, no, I, I do. I think that's where the game is. You know, the teams on the bottom part of their lineup there's there's still some heavy forwards there but i think the game has gone to a little more speed and i, I think what what stevie does is he's a, he's an easy player to move up and down the lineup because of his skill set and his you know he um was drafted as a winger played a lot of wing and then he's also played a lot of center in the minors so he's a, he's a very useful player um almost a 
a little bit of a Swiss Army knife for me, actually. So um, I, I like his game. I like his intelligence, and I like his consistency right now. That's been a well, maybe a little knock against uh, Stevie in the past, uh, trying to get him to that. But I, I think he's got through that glass ceiling. It's been uh, he's seeing the benefits of being there every night and uh, and how important he can be to our team pace here over the last few years you won the last time there were losses before that but every game seems to have an exciting quality weird stuff exactly exactly is that how do you uh, what's your well, I, I, I think last year we had we had some uh, we had some good vibe here uh, obviously it was a dad's trip and a lot of fun and and I think uh, this team is, is, accepts challenges you know we've had a couple of unicorn teams that we've had to had to uh, dispose of and so uh, Dallas has had a great record against uh, the Capitals for a long time and uh, we'll see if we can you know change that a little bit uh, they got a good hockey team they're solid uh, Hitch has done a great job I think they're um, they've got a really good balance between uh, high level of, of compete and skill and they've got really they're, they're, they're not as risky I would say risk, risky as they were maybe in the past they, they're calculated risks with uh, uh, that I know that Co uh, that is coached uh, uh, by uh, by Hitch, and uh, they're they're a good team. They had good goaltending there. Uh, I look at them; they're an exciting team that can bring a lot of different elements. And I, th I think they've actually been playing really quite well. Maybe didn't get the results in uh, you know the, I think it was a Ranger game. They were all over them and uh, didn't quite get the results. But they're playing good hockey. Does it take for smaller defensemen to succeed in the league now? What does it take for a smaller defenseman to succeed in the league now? Intelligence. Uh, uh, the ability to move the puck, uh, you've seen that in, uh, with a number of, of, uh, of players in the league. You look at the Ghost in Philly and, uh, you know, even Juicer for us is a smaller guy. And I think it's, it's you're seeing it all over the place. The, we just play Boston and Krug and, and people like that. I, you know, I, I think the league, because of the fact that you have to go back and make high-quality plays under pressure in tight spaces, you need to have a high level of poise, a high level of hockey IQ, and, and then a high execution rate for you to be successful. And a lot of those highly skilled, smaller defensemen, that's what they do. And um, I, I remember coming in this league, and, and uh, it was actually David Poyle, uh, our expansion year, said, you know, we're, we're not going to be very good, uh, unlike Vegas. Um, that we didn't have the quite the caliber of players they did. He says we're not going to be very probably very good the first year, so let's take some risks. Let's take players that don't fit the mold. And we went out, and I kept he kept sending me out to uh, some international tournaments, and kept seeing a guy named Kimo Timonen. And Kimo was the best player all the time, and I kept coming back and saying, this guy's the best player, but he's not very big. And, and he says, well, let's get him. Well, I'll get him thrown into some kind of deal, and we'll get him. And we, we got him. And what I think back then, it opened the door for the Brian Rafalskis and the people that came after Kimo, and they've been really effective. I mean, uh, I think Cronwall was a real small guy when he was drafted, and that was after Kimo. So um, I think the, those, those defensemen have the high IQ and the execution rate and 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 the skating ability they they are very effective pregame thoughts from head coach Barry Trotz as the Capitals get set to begin the three-game road trip and also worth noting the Capitals beginning the three-game roadie in a first place tie atop the Metropolitan Division 
with the New Jersey Devils. The Devils winners last night over the Anaheim Ducks. That means both the Capitals and Devils, 43 points on the year, two clear of the third place Columbus Blue Jackets, and four points up on both the New York Rangers and New York Islanders. So if you follow the top five teams in the Metropolitan Division, all within four points of each other, as again, a common theme throughout the season and particularly of late, a whole lot of congestion atop the Metropolitan Division. On the other side of things tonight, the Capitals' opponent this evening, the Dallas Stars. They are back home after a 2-1-1 four-game road trip. The Capital, or the Stars, I should say, looking to bounce back, though, from a 2-1 overtime loss on Saturday in Philadelphia. But despite that defeat in OT on Saturday, Dallas head coach Ken Hitchcock and the Stars Feeling good heading into tonight's game against the Capitals. You have to read the energy. I, I thought our energy yesterday was great. Uh, we took a day off, uh, and I thought, uh, you know, the guys came back, and we had a great practice yesterday. That's why we went to optional today, because we put a lot into yesterday, and I thought our guys had great energy, so we're hoping that that's the energy that we're going to bring forward. We're going to need it. Uh, Washington is uh, playing, quite frankly, as well as anybody in the league right now, and... Uh, or maybe even better than most. So that's that's a big test for us. But, you know, we've played really well against the good teams. And we've, you know, this is now, what, fifth game in a row against the Metro. And uh, they've been hard games. But I, I thought our teams played reasonably well in, against a very, very difficult division. And the Dallas Stars getting set for some home cooking right now. Nine of their next ten games will be on home ice at American Airlines Center in Dallas starting this evening. Against the Capitals, the Stars worth noting 18-14-2 on the season, 38 points. That is good enough for fifth place in the Central Division. The Dallas Stars, though, a highly offensive bunch. They brought in Ken Hitchcock in the offseason in an attempt to try to solidify and shore things up defensively. The Dallas Stars, sort of a middle-of-the-pack team when it comes to goals for and goals against this season. But we can tell you, as far as shots on goal against, uh, the Dallas Stars, second-best in the NHL, uh, just below the Carolina Hurricanes, as far as shots against this season. And uh, Dallas, one of the few teams allowing fewer than 30 shots on goal per game. So the Capitals will certainly have to work for uh, whatever they earn this evening against the Dallas Stars. And uh, that is despite the fact they've had some run-and-gun showdowns in Dallas over the past few years. And that was among the topics addressed earlier today in the Caps dressing room by Tom Wilson as he met with the media. Tom and Wilson getting set for game number 13 alongside Ovechkin and Backstrom on the top line. And Tom Wilson looking ahead to having the Full lineup back together tonight and uh, looking ahead to what could potentially be an entertaining game against Dallas. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've gotten pretty comfortable being at uh, at home and um, looking back to kind of our last long road trip didn't go so well. So, um, you know, we got to kind of prove that we can play on the road and um, I think this is a good opportunity and, um, you know, it's it's kind of fun to get on the road with the group and stuff, but uh, we got to make sure that we're focused and, and we get better results than, um, than we did kind of out in, out in Canada earlier on in the year and just make sure we're ready to go right off the bat tonight. If your breakout's not working, you, 
you can work on it. If your power play is struggling, you can work on it. How, how do you um, improve road performance? What goes into to making yourselves a better road team? You think? I think uh, when you're on the road, everything's just a, uh, maybe a little bit more kind of effort. You know, you, you don't wake up in, in your own bed. You're, you're on the road. you got to get to the rink at different times. And um, you know what? Some guys like playing on the road. Some guys prefer home. Um, the individual's different. But I think on, on the road, it's everything's a little different. You get to new rinks and, and new rooms and stuff, especially as a young guy in the league. You're, you're taking it all in for, for the first time. So, um, you know what? you got to learn definitely how to play on the road. It's, it's something that pro hockey kind of brings out of you. And, um, you know what, we, we're going to play some some good teams. I mean, Dallas is, is fast. they got a lot of skill. So we got to make sure our feet are moving. And I think just making sure that we're focused and, and playing with pace and, and a lot of uh, work ethic off the, off the first uh, puck drop tonight. This is game 35 for you guys, and it's only the second time that you've gone into a game with a full complement of players. Nobody suspended, nobody injured, nobody dinged. What does it say about you guys that you're able to work your way through, navigate your way through a difficult stretch of scheduling with some injuries and stuff and be on top of the of the Metropolitan Division? And now what does it mean to you guys to, to have everyone back and, and hopefully for, for a, a longer period of time than one period, which is what was last yeah, it's. I mean, when you're when you're healthy in this league, that's a huge bonus. I think the teams that that do the best kind of well into the into June there are the ones that can kind of stay the, the healthiest. So um, that being said, uh, guys did a, a phenomenal job kind of stepping up and and taking on responsibility. Osh is a huge part of this locker room, and um, when he went down, it was a little adversity, and, and guys really stepped up and, and helped out and helped carry the load. So that's what you need from from a group, and and especially kind of a, a younger group with a lot of new faces. Everyone kind of uh, jumped in and, and chipped in and, um, you know, put a pretty good record together. And now you get that guy back, it's only going to help you. So it's uh, it's nice to have kind of everyone back firing on all cylinders. And, and we got to make sure that we're, we're focused and, and ready to go on this road trip. There's some curiosity with how you guys are going to look as a team with everyone back. You know, you guys haven't been healthy and completely healthy in a long time. Uh, I think, I mean, a little bit. Um, you know what? It doesn't really matter who's in, who's out. I mean, we got a we got a pretty good group of guys, and on any given night, I mean, whatever lineup we have, we still are going to try and play to the same identity. We're going to try and still play the same way. But when a leader like Osh kind of goes down and and misses some games, that can be really tough on a group and. Um, you see some adversity, and, and I think we handled it really, really well. So that's only going to make a group stronger. He's going to come back. It's only going to help, and the team's going to be better, better, um, you know, in, in those situations where you're going to have to step up. So it's uh, it was cool to see kind of different guys chip in, step up, and, and carry the load. And um, you know that's expected now, even when you have a full lineup. Guys have got to stay focused and keep moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the pace, and in this building over the last few years, got the win of the dad strip last year, but. Pace doesn't usually seem to be an issue for both teams in here. It's a lot of lot of fast skating, a lot of offense over the last few years in this place. Yeah, I feel like the only memories I have of this rink are kind of run and gun, um, barn burner, high scoring games. So um, every game's different. We'll see how it goes tonight. But uh, a lot of skill on both ends, a lot of speed, a lot of talent. So it's uh, it's always going to be kind of a fun when you come play in this rink. And there they are, the pregame thoughts from Tom Wilson looking ahead to tonight's game against the Dallas Stars. As uh, we remind you, the goaltending matchup tonight, Braden Holpe going again for the Capitals, seeking a 20th win on the year. Ben Bishop 
will start for the Dallas Stars. And a busy game day edition of the show is upcoming. Already heard quite a bit of pregame audio right there. We will continue the tour a little bit later on in the show. We will hear from... Nicholas Backstrom and Jamie Benn on the Dallas Stars, among others. But when we come back, we're going to be chatting with Jay Beagle. Had a chance to catch up with Jay Beagle last week at Kettler. Not looking at the day-to-day stuff so much, but taking a step back and looking back and appreciating the journey Jay Beagle has taken to the NHL. He recently played in his 400th career game. He recently picked up his 100th career point. And that's pretty good for a guy who was a late bloomer, did not become a full-time NHLer until he was 26. He went a little bit of the unorthodox route as far as his journey to the National Hockey League. And we look back on it. Jay Beagle, very generous with his time last week at Kettler. You won't want to miss that conversation. It is coming up next and also still to come on the show. We'll chat with John Walton looking ahead to the road trip. Tom Galitti of NHL.com. All that, a whole lot more. Busy game day edition of Caps Talk. Back in a moment. Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. For fans inside the Beltway or anywhere on Earth where the red is rock. Stanley Cup, baby, let's go! This is Caps Talk. Let's go, Caps! On your radio home of the Washington Capitals, Caps Radio 24-7. Jonathan Tichu turns it over, slot shot, score! Jay Beagle! Off the giveaway by Jonathan Chichu, and the Capitals have increased their lead. It's now 3-1 here in the second period. And that's how it sounded last January. Jay Beagle was confirmed the overtime winner as the Capitals snapped an eight-year winless drought in Dallas. They beat the Stars 4-3 the final in overtime. It was the first career overtime game winner for Jay Beagle. And a memorable night all around for the Capitals. It was the first game of last year's Fathers and Mentors trip. The traveling party was a little bigger that night. Made the win all the more sweeter at American Airlines Center in Dallas. And that's where the Capitals are tonight. See, we bring it all full circle here. It's the first of two meetings between the Capitals and the Dallas Stars this season. As we welcome you back inside the D.C. studios, Ben Raby back with you for this game day edition of Caps Talk, Caps Radio 24-7. And the Caps mobile app getting you set for puck drop tonight between the Capitals and the Stars just past 8.30 Eastern. And we highlight Jay Beagle, who earlier this season reached a couple of milestones in his NHL career. Earlier this season, he played in career game number 400, and he also recorded his 100th career NHL point. So a couple of nice milestones for a guy in Jay Beagle, very popular, but let's keep in mind, reached the NHL very much the unorthodox way. Just for context here, Jay Beagle, a Calgary native. They produce a lot of pro hockey players in Calgary, but in Jay Beagle's case, unlike the other top teenage players from his region, He did not play junior hockey in Western Canada. He tried out. He had a tryout at age 17 with the Calgary Hitmen in the Western Hockey League, but he was cut. So instead, he played in a second-tier junior league in Alberta. He then went on to spend two years playing collegiately in Anchorage, Alaska, very far away from the NHL. And from there, from Alaska, after two years, it was a tryout with the ECHL's Idaho Steelheads, 
And that's where things started to turn. Ten years ago, in the spring of 2007, the Idaho Steelheads were in a postseason series, the league semifinals in Las Vegas. And that's where the Capitals saw something in this undrafted, hardworking centerman. And earlier this month, Jay Beagle, very generous with his time, spent some time chatting with me inside the Capitals dressing room, looking back at the start of his NHL career, how it came to be, and how appreciative he is of all the events that have taken place in the last decade plus. When he was a kid, he'd be up at five, take shots to eight, and make the thing drive. Out of to school and back on ice, that was his life. He was going to play in the big league. Jonathan Tichu turns it over, slot shot, score! Jay Beagle off the giveaway by Jonathan Chichu, and the Capitals have increased their lead. It's now 3-1 here in the second period. And Jay Beagle with the miscue there, rips it by the goaltender, Brian Elliott, for his first career NHL goal. I know that the NHL was the dream, but you took the, the unorthodox route, and I'm wondering when you're when you're playing for the Calgary Royals and up in Alaska in your early 20s, huh. how, how far away, you know, did you feel it was, or, or maybe did you realistically think it was in, within reach? Uh, no, I mean it was always just I wanted to continue to play the next level. I never went into any you know point in my career where I was thinking um, you know of a higher goal like the NHL, like something that was, you know, kind of far-fetched. Um, what I like to do was just in every league that I played in, if I was playing on Team 2, I wanted to play on Team 1. So that next level, if it was Pee Wee 1, I wanted to play, you know, um, you know, Bantam 1. That was just always the goal. It was not ever looking too far ahead. Obviously, NHL is a goal for every kid playing, you know, the game of hockey. So that was obviously like a dream that was my dream to play in the NHL but I always just was wanting to play you know that next level up and so when I was in junior I wanted to play you know the next level up which is college and then college I wanted to play pro and wherever that would be you know I just wanted to continue to play the, the game that I love so it was never something that um, you know I obviously strive for it and I took the most of opportunities and worked hard and, and tried to just make the most of it and um, you know I've been blessed with the opportunity to be able to play here for as long as I have it's been a, honestly a dream come true when you look back kind of you know at 400 games and yeah you never thought that you'd be here so you try not to take that for granted every day the Western Hockey League on the itinerary as a teenager I mean I, uh, and, and seeing guys I imagine you played Bantam and Midget with who maybe went there and, and you didn't yeah so I was a late bloomer so I was pretty small even 16 17 I was still like 5'3 five, 5'4 five, you know 5'5 five, five. I wasn't growing um, so 
my um, growth spurt at 18? Yeah, about 17, 18. And um, so I tried out for uh, the Hitman, Calgary Hitman, when I think when I was 18. And I'd grown about a foot that summer and I went in um, just so obviously wasn't ready to play against men. Um, just was about 150 pounds and six foot two and felt like a giraffe out there. So um, Speaking of which, wasn't Jeff Schultz on that team? Yeah, you would have been. Yeah, he would have been. There was Getzlav was there. There was a lot of, you know, good players that it was good exposure, though. It made you realize what the next level was, and um, and that was pretty cool. Um, so it was, uh, you know, a stepping stone definitely because, you know, even though you get cut, you see where you have to go if you want to play the next level. And so it, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget walking out of the room after being cut and, you know, my grandpa and dad standing there and, and um, you know, trying to pick me up after being cut from a dream obviously to play for the Calgary Hitmen and so that was a big moment in my life and career where you know they were stood by my side and and um, you know just were always encouraging and it, it just motivated me more to try and elevate my game to the next level. Is that easier said than done at that point at that stage in your development that's got to be pretty discouraging. It takes time for sure. Um, I knew though that I loved the game and it was never about you know you, you have dreams but dreams get crushed and when they do you know there's there's two ways you can look at it you can kind of sulk and and kind of um, not want to get hurt again or kind of close up or you can let it drive you and try and make you a better player and so I, I took that route and just tried to let it drive me and no matter what happened you know it was I was going to give it everything I had and just try and you know be a better player and, and develop my game and I knew also like I said I was a late bloomer so it was like something that where you know the college route obviously was a blessing because it, it allowed me four more years really like three or four more years to to develop into um, you know kind of get that um, you know body of a man and, and lose the, the body of a boy what's that like playing in Alaska that's fun that talk about far from the NHL that's yeah. that's out there yeah it was really cool I mean I love outdoors I love hunting and fishing and um, you know it, it was a lot of fun I uh, you know it was it was a good program and we were in the WCHA and we played against unbelievable teams you know played against uh, North Dakota you know Wisconsin all of the top teams and we were actually a pretty good team for the two years I was there um, had some good players and and they knew how to develop players as well and um, you know it was just it was a lot of fun playing up there I loved it the travel wasn't so much fun mm -hmm. but it prepared you for the minors the minors felt easy compared to the travel of, uh, of Alaska so 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 Steve Richmond hooks up with you at some point there after your second year in Alaska. How does that? Yeah. No, or no so you, you went to Idaho first. Idaho, yeah. yeah. So I, I wasn't doing so good in school. And, and uh, so uh, I got the opportunity to go to Boise, Idaho uh, in the East Coast League. And uh, so I, I played there. Um, and we ended up winning the Kelly Cup. And so I think it was in the semifinals. We were playing against Vegas. And Steve Richmond came out to watch a couple games and so he met with me and we just had dinner after a game in Vegas and talked and he said I would like to you know invite you to the Capitals development camp and so um, that obviously was a dream come true and so we that escalated pretty quickly because two months earlier you're, you're 
there's still a sophomore in Alaska. Yeah, yeah. So it did. It was it was honestly a dream come true, and I knew, you know, obviously the exposure too of uh, Boise, Idaho. Um, you know, the Steelheads was awesome. It was unbelievable to play there, and we won a Kelly Cup. So you get that exposure. You know, if I go to a team that say doesn't even make the playoffs or just barely gets in and lose first round, you don't get any exposure, and your career kind of, you know, who you, who knows where you go from there, right? So it's it's uh, it's pretty cool to look back, and and um, I've obviously, you know, have been blessed with um, the opportunities, and and I, uh, you know, it, it's just amazing. I, I I believe in God, and I believe that God has uh, definitely put me in places for a reason. I mean, looking back at it, it's just it's just undeniable. It's it's, uh, it's a pretty cool journey. So um, uh, that's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's just been pretty special and obviously Steve Richmond had a huge part in my career because uh, you know I got to come to development camp and I've never worked so hard in my life that summer after we won the cup I went straight into training and came to development camp like it was a main camp I you know I, I came in in shape and, and was going to give it everything I had. I was going to say do you think when you look back on it now was that if you don't have a good development camp you're you're not a draft pick they don't owe you anything if, if it doesn't go well that's right if it doesn't go well yeah exactly that's the way I looked at it but also you know it was just it was a cool opportunity that was so exciting that you know it's easy to train for that you know and it's easy to stay positive in that because I wasn't losing anything you know what I mean I wasn't no one knew my name no one you know I just came in and at the same time there's a lot at stake for you yeah I I guess there's a lot of stake but I didn't look at it that way you know it was just a way I wanted to just keep playing hockey. If it was in Boise, how to go again next year, I would have played there. I mean, I, I truly, you know, love to play the game and, and just wanted to continue to play for as long as I could. And, um, you know, it was just a lot at stake, but I also had fun with it. You know, I came in here, I remember, and I was roommates with Carl Osner, and we had a blast. We were having a lot of fun and just hanging out and going for dinner every night. And, and it's just a great experience and, uh, you know, tried to make the most of it. And I had a pretty good development camp and caught an eye maybe of uh you know doug yinks that was the Mm -hmm. gm down there and they they ended up signing me to a one-way contract with hershey so about a month later after the development camp and then you win two calder cups down there and then i would think it was like at age 26 you finally could maybe settle in at the nhl level a little Mm -hmm. bit 2011 12 season but like cano's playing game 300 he's 25 Devontae smith belly's gonna do that tomorrow he's 25 26 years old to make the nhl debut going with this theme that's it was a long time coming yeah. it wasn't your debut i know but i'm saying right, for full-time stats full-time. Yeah, yeah for sure yeah no it was um <laughs> like you know when you put it like that it looks yeah but I, like i said before i was excited just to be playing hockey i loved playing in hershey i loved playing for this organization I, uh, they didn't owe me anything and to get any chances i was thrilled you know and uh, that's the way i took it i've always been you know a pretty upbeat person who just um you know, loves to just play the game. And if you, you know, if at that time, if you got something happening, the career ended, you know, a few games in, I mean, you move on and you go on with life. It wasn't, it's, hockey's never been my life. So it's always just been a fun thing that I love to do. And I put my whole heart into it, but, you know, it's not everything. And so you had to keep that mindset of keeping it fun and keeping it, um, you know, not like a job even though it is a job and so 
I don't know. I've always kind of looked at it that way, and that's kept me young, I think, and just kept it fresh and just everything uh, exciting. So uh, that's the way I look at it and, and kind of life, and that's the way I went through. You know, even in Hershey, I wasn't ever getting, you know, down. Obviously, there's days when you're down, but and, and, and there's those dog days where you're grinding, but it was always just fun and a blessing to play this game. Final thing, we'll end it on this. You're now, as you may know, the, the third longest tenured player in the organization. Yeah. Got Ovi and Nick just uh, above you as far as tenure, but even when you think about that, I mean, again, it's a, it's a development camp. It's a, it's a dinner with Steve Richmond in Boise, Idaho, and here you are, ten years later, uh, sort of tattooed this organization that, uh, you know, if not for a few maybe circumstance, may not have even crossed paths with, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's crazy when you look back at it, for sure. It's, uh, it's been a great journey, and I want to continue that journey, and, and this organization has given me so much, and, and um, it's a great organization to be in and, and to be a part of, and it's been an awesome ride. Appreciate the look back, Jay. Thank you very much. You bet. Thank you. All right, awesome stuff right there from Jay Beagle. Again, certainly appreciative of how far he's come from the undrafted invitee to Caps Development Camp in 2007 to, lo and behold, the third longest tenured player in the organization now behind only Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom. Great stuff from Jay Beagle right there. Appreciated the time in the Capitals dressing room earlier this month at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex and going to have the other side of that story coming up a little bit later on in the show. Looking forward to this. We'll chat with Steve Richmond, the longtime Capitals director of player personnel. Steve Richmond, the one who quote unquote discovered Jay Beagle as far as the Capitals organization was concerned. He saw something. He had a connection with Jay Beagle's agent, knew to look out for Jay Beagle and uh, liked what he saw in Alaska and with the ECHL's Idaho Steelheads back over a decade ago. So good stuff from Jay Beagle. We'll hear from Steve Richmond coming up a little bit later on in the show. Some great anecdotes and color coming up a little bit later on. Also still to come on this game day edition of Camps Talk, we'll chat with John Walton looking ahead to tonight's game against the Dallas Stars and the upcoming three-game road trip. We'll also chat with Tom Galitti of NHL.com. Also take a look at the night on ice, all that, a whole lot more. Busy Tuesday afternoon edition of Camps Talk returns in a moment. Camps Radio 24-7 and the Camps mobile app. This is Camps Talk on Camps Radio 24-7. Ovechkin brings it in again. Right side. Big shot. He scores! Ovechkin! Overtime game winner! Good morning! Good afternoon! And good night! Anaheim! Washington from two down in the third! Ovechkin scoring in sudden depth! His 23rd of the year! And the Caps! Winners again on home ice! Three to two! Number one star of the game from the Washington Capitals with the game-winning overtime goal. Your captain, the great eight, Alex Ovechkin. And there it was, Alex Ovechkin, the game-winning overtime tally, the first star of Saturday night's 3-2 win over the Anaheim Ducks as the Capitals earned their sixth straight win on home ice, their third win in a row overall. And they'll now look to carry over that success onto the road 
as they begin a three-game road trip tonight against the Dallas Stars. As we welcome you back inside the D.C. studios, Ben Raby back with you, hour number one of this game day edition of Caps Talk, Caps Radio 24-7, and the Caps mobile app. As we remind you that after tonight's game against the Dallas Stars, Capitals will continue out west. They visit the Arizona Coyotes on Friday night, and then the quick turnaround visiting the Vegas Golden Knights for the first time on Saturday. Note the start time in that one Saturday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific, if you prefer, out in the desert. But uh, busy stretch coming up for the Capitals here before they shutter down the annual three-day holiday break in the NHL as the Capitals, the NHL as a whole, goes dark December 24th, 25th, and 26th before things amp up again, or ramp up again, I should say, starting December 27th. All right, to help set the stage for tonight's game against the Dallas Stars, looking ahead to the road trip and taking one more look back at the Capitals' win Saturday night over the Anaheim Ducks, we check in with Tom Galitti of NHL.com. Had a chance to catch up with Tom yesterday at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex as the Capitals were wrapping up their final practice in Arlington. All right, Tom, first off, the win the other night for the Capitals in overtime. It caps off an 11-3 month going back to the blowout loss in Denver against the Avalanche. A lot of bullet points you could probably take out of the 14-game run, what has contributed to the success. But when you look at some of the primary reasons, be it the reunion of Ovechkin and Backstrom, the return of a healthy Matt Niskanen, what are you looking at as far as this 11-3 run and what has really uh, turned the season around here the last month? I think like so those things you mentioned definitely been a, a key factors in it. I mean, they lost TJ Oshie for six games and they went five and one. You wouldn't expect that. You had so Jacob Baran has been a big part of that. He's played really well since he was scratched in that game. Um, they've had you know uh, Brett Connolly's played pretty well. They've had they've had some good depth contributions and now they're getting close to pretty, being pretty healthy. So that's going to help them going forward here. They, I think it also helped that they were on the, at home a lot of that time. They haven't played as well on the road. But, you know, getting home, they got in a bit of a rhythm. Their goaltenders have both been really good. Uh, not that they weren't good before that, but uh, I think they just have kind of gotten more stability back there in the, in the way they've played and their, in their structure. And when they do make mistakes, their two goalies have uh, been able to bail them out, especially Braden Holtby. Reference the return of TJ Oshie. Looking forward to seeing him back on that second line with Kuznetsov and Verana. But the two of them, Kuznetsov and Verana, young guys using the wheels, the speed, the chemistry from the two of them over the past few weeks really seems to be clicking. And Verana uh, taking advantage of uh, the opportunity here to skate alongside 92. Yeah, he's done a good job with that in that position. You know, he makes a big difference just because of his speed. You look at them when he's not skating and he's, or he's not in the lineup at all. And, and just having one guy who plays at that kind of speed and putting with another guy like that's who can skate, that, that, that makes a big difference for your team. Like, we looked at the Capitals the last couple of years, and they weren't slow, but they weren't a fast team. And adding a couple of guys like him who can skate, uh, it can make a big difference. And obviously he's gotten confidence now in shooting the puck. And we, we, we always thought he had offensive skill to score. And now he's putting it together and playing with confidence here at the NHL level. And that's been a big boost for the, for the Capitals. And talking about the speed, Tom Wilson, you don't necessarily, or we have not necessarily thought of him as one of the faster guys. You often think of Tom Wilson, you think of the, the brute strength that he brings and that physicality, but using the wheels on that top line as well. We, going back a few weeks ago, he had that goal against the New York Rangers where he blew by Ryan McDonough for an insurance marker late in the third period, but you need the wheels to keep up with Nick Backstrom and, and Ovechkin to an extent, but we've seen Tom Wilson continue to round out the game, if you will, and show that not only is he a top six forward, but 
with some potential stain power here on the top line. Yeah, he, he, him playing there, and like you mentioned with his skating, is a big deal. It adds a little speed to the line. You know, Ovechkin is skating better this season, and, and Baxter has been, has been playing well. But those those guys are not the fastest guys. They, they're, they're, they're fine. But adding, a you know, the way Tom Wilson's been skating with them, I think helps open up some things for them, and he does, the, does some good things in the line, getting in the corners and things like that. I, I'm not sure he has... You know he's gonna ever be like a big goal scorer but he's doing some good things he had so obviously so, uh, some good stretch of, of point production for them and if he plays the way he's been playing that that helps their depth as far as you know they can play other guys in the second and third lines and and it really spreads out the scoring and 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 he's done he's done better than okay there he's been very good there and final thing tom looking ahead to the three game road trip i think still looking for a little bit more when you go down the depth chart it's been four games since andre burakovsky returned to the lineup on acknowledgement still working on the timing and getting the legs on under him, but when we talk about secondary scoring, we've seen Wilson and Verona each step up their game this season. Andre Burakovsky is a guy, when you go back to the preseason, who this team was counting on for a potential 20-goal season, granted the 20-game absence with the fractured thumb set him back, but uh, a guy, when we're talking about the team rounding into form, uh, if they're to do anything as far as uh, secondary scoring in a deep run come late in the season, uh, going to need to see uh, some more out of 65. Yeah, he's only had one goal, and even before he got hurt, I, the last couple of games before he got hurt were probably his best games he scored right before that um, but he hasn't done enough for them and and maybe he is kind of still searching to find his weight and fit back in since the injury but he has not been much of a factor so they need they'd like to see him you know gets find some consistency in his game he's been skating pretty well not shooting and getting chances so I think you know they'd like to see him get some more chances and see the buck to get start going in you know that line played well together last year but hasn't clicked for him yet since the injury so they'll hope maybe some continuity with them eventually he'll start to break through and like you said if that happens, that really adds to their depth. The Connolly's had some good stretches, and uh, Eller, but you know, want to see him if he if he could start um, scoring and maybe some contributing on the second power play unit. That mean a lot for them. All right, so something to keep an eye on moving forward here. The final three games before the holiday break. This will be the last time we speak to you before the holidays, Tom. So happy holidays, happy New Year. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays to you. All right, there he is. Good stuff. Good catching up yesterday at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex with Tom Galitti of NHL.com and regarding Andre Burakovsky yes four games since he returned to the Capitals lineup still looking for that first goal since his return and expected to be back on that third line tonight with some familiar faces in Lars Eller and Brett Connolly as we remind you TJ Oshie will be making his return tonight in Dallas for the Capitals so when you consider TJ Oshie is back healthy Andre Burakovsky is back healthy after missing 20 games with a fractured thumb on the back end. We've had Matt Niskanen back healthy for just over a month now. What I'm getting at is you're starting to see the pieces all come back together, the band back together, if you will. First time since early October. I have to go back to the fifth game of the season. The last time the Capitals had as healthy of a lineup as they will roll out tonight against the Dallas Stars, an encouraging sign in that regard for sure all right when we come back and still to come on this game day edition of caps talk we will have a further look at the upcoming three game road trip we'll do that with john walton coming up in hour number two also still to come we heard from jay beagle earlier in the show his journey into the nhl we're going to hear it as well from capitals director of player development 
Steve Richmond, longtime member of the organization going back to the early 2000s. Jay Beagle, one of his favorite stories. We'll hear it from Steve Richmond. We'll also take a look at the around the NHL, the night on ice, and also continue to preview tonight's game in Dallas between the Caps and Stars, all that whole lot more. Busy game day edition of Caps Talk continues in a moment right here on Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. Talk, the home of hockey talk in Washington. Caps Radio 24-7. All right, welcome back to Caps Talk, this game day edition of the show. Ben Raby back with you inside the D.C. studios, continuing to get you set for the Capitals and the Dallas Stars. Our thanks to Tom Galitti, who joined us last segment, chatted with him yesterday at the Kettler Capitals Iceplex. All right, we heard from Jay Beagle earlier in the show, looking back a little bit at his journey to the National Hockey League. That was great stuff from Jay Beagle, and we remind you, still to come in today's show, we'll be chatting with Capitals Director of Player Development, Steve Richmond, a little bit on his discovering Jay Beagle going back to 2007. But right now... Now, we're spending a whole lot of time with Jay Beagle today, but right now, we're going to bring it back to the present a little bit, more so the day-to-day nitty-gritty looking ahead to the three-game road trip. John Walton with a chance to catch up with Jay Beagle as well after a recent Capitals practice uh, yesterday at Kettler, in fact, and looking ahead at the three-game road trip and looking back at Saturday's 3-2 win over the Anaheim Ducks and the Capitals' very strong play of late at Capital One Arena. This let's talk about the home schedule for a minute. The this team has now won six straight at home since the middle of November, a corner turn where there's been a whole lot of wins. Get to first place. It's been a progression. It's been a different kind of year, but going into the holidays here, once you get through this road trip, this has been a not so bad start to the season here. Yeah, no, it's been a good start. I mean, even uh, at the very beginning of the season, you know, schedule comes out and you look at it and you're like, it's it's a tough stretch right off the hop. You know, we have a, a tough schedule. We never really had back-to-back games, you know, at, in our own rink and uh, for a long time. So our start, I thought, was pretty good. Um, and then obviously, you know, middle November, December here, we've we've come on. We've really tried to take advantage of the, you know, of the home stretch and, and making sure we take care of business at home. And, um, you know, it's been a good start. Dallas, a team playing pretty well right now as they went to New York, a good road trip for them. They're coming home to see the Caps tomorrow. Arizona's a fascinating team, even if their record doesn't indicate you know maybe what exactly they're all about not a bad team either and then vegas is the surprise feel-good story of the season and there they got the third best winning percentage of the league this is a tough trip and trying to pull some points here before getting a few days off yeah no it is a tough trip it's uh you know obviously starting with dallas like you said they're they're a fast team and um you know playing really well right now so that's going to be a good test looking forward to that and then uh you know you never look too far ahead obviously but you know arizona also young fast um and then vegas uh, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's been a surprise, but, you know, they're playing really well if you watch some of their games and and uh, kind of the speed that uh, and energy they bring. Um, it's going to be a fun game. Looking forward to that one, too. A chance to see face of the franchise, Nate Schmidt, as well yeah, when we get there. Right. That's right. It'll be good to see him, yeah, for sure. I FaceTimed him uh, a couple weeks back, or maybe that was a month ago now, too, and, you know, a guy that obviously you miss, yeah, just a, a good guy and, and always smiling, so it'll be good to see him again. You got a chance after the Vegas trip and for the guys who live west 
mask. It's usually really hard at Christmas to be able to go home, but at least for you and for a few others to be able to, hey, you jump the plane. It's a lot easier to get there from Vegas for, to get to Calgary than it is to get there from Washington. Yeah, going to be able to go home. I think that's the first time in 12 years, um, you know, to be able to go home. We, you know, usually only have two days at Christmas. Then that new CBA, we, you know, got three now. That was one of the rules that uh, kind of got put in place. So, um, you know, coming from Wash to Calgary, it didn't, you know, make too much sense. It'd be two days of flying and then for just one day at Christmas. So um, looking forward to, to going home, spending Christmas with family and, and seeing everyone there. My, my brother had a, a new baby, so we're going to get to see see him. And, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm really excited. I trust you'll be bringing the video that was on the board of all of you guys singing. I know you had a very <laughs> large part of that as well. Uh, your singing talent's on display in front of 18,000 people is always a treat, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah that's uh, they really, I did not want to do that. <laughs> they really had to pry and make me feel bad saying the whole team was doing it and I'd be the only one that wasn't. So um, The drop mic walk-off was tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> I blacked out. I don't even remember that. I tried to erase that from my memory. <laughs> I love it. All right, good stuff there from John Walton chatting with Jay Beagle and continuing with our tour of pregame audio. Nicholas Backstrom earlier today chatting with Scott Burnside. Yes, the longtime national hockey reporter with ESPN, now embedded with the Dallas Stars, their sort of Mike Vogel equivalent, if you will. Scott Burnside, a uh, longtime reporter in the National Hockey League, now in his first season with the Dallas Stars and earlier today Scott Burnside on the Dallas Stars official team website catching one-on-one -on -one with Nick Backstrom 35 games into the capital season. Nicholas thanks for coming out it's good to see you doing well? Yeah thanks no I'm doing great. Uh, that's pretty much an understatement given how the Caps are playing I think you're 10 and 2 in the last 12. What's really got this team going do you think especially after a start to the season where maybe it, it, it wasn't a team that we're used to seeing a performance from the Caps that we're used to seeing yeah I mean we were struggling there a bit uh, I feel like in the beginning and, and what a lot on you guys in the team that uh, young players coming into the league I mean it takes takes some time to get used to the system and stuff like that but I feel like now we're um, we're playing way better as a group and, and we're pulling the same way here so uh, hopefully we can just keep it going. Uh, I know one of the things that is relatively new but not really new for you uh, back playing with Alexander Ovechkin you guys have played a lot over the years is there something that you change about your game when you're playing with Alexander or what's that dynamic like when you you know when you go back and, and play together on the same line? Yeah no we've been playing with each other for for a while and, and we we should know each other by now, and yeah, you should. <laughs> and uh, I feel like we're. You know, when we weren't playing together, I mean, I, I felt like we started off all right anyway. But uh, I mean, sometimes you need to switch things up, and, and now we're back together again. So uh, now we're winning. So that's all that matters. So, but I don't really really switch anything up. You just know where each other are out there. You guys are a team that uh, you know, it's been hard to not look ahead to the playoffs as seasons have gone along. Right now, you're near the top of the Metropolitan standings. Do you have to? Do you have to learn again not to think ahead? Well, okay, well, how how will we do in the spring? What's going to happen in the playoffs? Is there a different mindset? Do you think with this team this year? Well, first of all, we're just going to focus on getting ourselves into the playoffs. But uh, honestly, it doesn't really matter how you get into the playoffs because uh, anything can happen there and. And um, 
just got to focus on building our game now and, and make sure we, we do the right things and, and get as many points as we can and, and put ourselves in a good spot here. Good. Finally, you're playing Dallas Stars team. You only see them twice during the year, but lots of firepower. John Carlson's having a great season. John Klingberg, your countryman, leads all defensemen. What's the challenge of coming into a place like Dallas and, and playing a Stars team that's just got done with an Eastern road trip against Metropolitan teams? Yeah, I mean, they're obviously really talented team and, and they got some really good players so uh, you have to be aware of them when they're out there and make sure you also play good defensively I think that's that's a key because I, f I feel like that a lot of a lot of players that can score and they're dangerous so uh, but I mean it's a good challenge for us I mean they're playing good and we're playing good so uh, it'll be a good matchup good well Nicholas thanks for hanging out with us thank you and good stuff from Scott Burnside right there chatting earlier today with Nicholas Backstrom following the Capitals' morning skate at American Airlines Center in Dallas. Yeah, Backstrom playing well of late. He's up to seven goals on the year, 195 in his NHL career, just one goal shy of tying his countryman, Bent Gustafson, for the sixth most in Washington Capitals history. And Backstrom heating up of late four goals in his last six games. Back on that number one line with Alex Ovechkin, and Tom Wilson, and a good chance that line sees a whole lot of Dallas's number one line. Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and Alexander Radulov. Jamie Benn among the leading scorers in Dallas once again this season. 13 goals, 29 points on the year. For Jamie Benn, who spoke to the media earlier today following the Stars morning skate, as the Dallas Stars happen to be back at home. Nine of their next ten games to be played on home ice. Uh, yeah, it's nice. I mean, we had a, what seems like a long road trip. It really wasn't too long, but uh, it's nice to be home. And, um, and we've got an important stretch of games coming up here where we got to, um, you know, make some hay, uh, get a lot of wins, get, get some points, and, um, you know, it starts against a, a very good good team tonight. You know, you naturally want to take everything one game at a time, but when you look at a stretch where you play 9 of 10 at the midway point of the season at home, how important is that stretch, and what can this do to the entirety of a year? It's, it's important. Um, I mean, we've got nine of our next ten here at home. Um, had a great time of the year. Um, you know, it's important. We want to be, uh, we don't want to be looking back, uh, you know, later in the year saying uh, we should have took advantage of that. We want to we take the opportunity to get as many points as we can here and, um, and get a you know, make these teams uh, have a tough time coming here against our in, against our team in our in our uh, arena here. There's a bunch of really good teams coming through here and really high-profile players. When when guys like Ovechkin come in and then follow that up with Kane, and you just have this list, and you know you're one of the guys that they're circling in their room. Does that sort of just add a little bit of an extra jump in your step when you know you're about to match up with some of the best in the game on a nightly basis? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean. You, you want to go up against, uh, you know, good teams and top players every night. And, uh, you know, we're going to get uh, some good matchups here. And, uh, you know, Hitch has been pretty consistent on, on his matchups and, and what he wants to uh, achieve. So uh, I think we'll be going head-to-head uh, -head probably tonight. And there they are, the pregame thoughts from Dallas Stars forward 
Jamie Benn. All right, when we come back, hour number two of this afternoon show. We're a little bit into hour number two already, but we'll kick it into full gear. We're going to take a tour around the National Hockey League, find out what took place last night on the night on ice. Also coming up in hour number two, John Walton setting the scene as the Capitals get set for the three-game road trip starting tonight in Dallas. And we'll chat with Capitals Director of Player Development, Steve Richmond, as a busy game day edition of Capstock continues in a moment. Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. This is Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. Tell us what's on your mind. Reach us on Twitter at Capitals Radio by email at CapsVoice at gmail.com or pick up the phone and call us right now. 1-855-GO-CAPS-5. Now, back to the show. Here's your host of Capstock, Ben Raby. All right, welcome back inside the DC studios. Ben Raby back with you. Hour number two of this game day edition of Capstock, Caps Radio 24 7, and the Caps mobile app as we continue to get you set for the Capitals and the Dallas Stars game one of the Capitals three game Western road trip. We'll continue on to visit the Arizona Coyotes on Friday and then the quick turnaround visiting the Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday. And then it's the three-day holiday break as the Capitals uh, will be off the ice. The entire league will shut down December 24, 25, 26 before things ramp up once again on the 27th. Capitals coming off Saturday night's 3-2 overtime win over the Anaheim Ducks. Nicholas Backstrom, his seventh goal of the season, his fourth in the last six game. Evgeny Kuznetsov, his 11th goal of the year, second most on the team behind only Alex Ovechkin. Ovechkin sealing the win on Saturday with the overtime winner. It was his NHL record 21st career OT winner. And as for this season, it was his NHL leading 23rd goal overall. On the campaign, Ovechkin's winner, allowing the Capitals to improve to 21-12-1 on the year. 43 points this season as the Capitals begin the night tied for first place in the Metropolitan Division. All right, time now to go around the NHL. Highlights and audio from around the league. Looking back at the five games on ice in the NHL last night, including a beatdown in Beantown. Well, the Boston Bruins did the Capitals a favor and took care of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And that will do it. The horn will sound in a rout. Tuka Rask and the Bruins win it 7-2 over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Judd Surratt, the call on Boston's 98-5. The Sports Hub, seven different goal scorers in the Bruins win, including Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak as Boston's number one line continues to produce in a big way. David Pasternak now on a career-best 12-game scoring streak, five goals, 14 points in his last 12 games. Bruins continuing to roll along. They have won 10 of their last 14 games, and the Bruins creating a little bit of breathing room for themselves in the Atlantic Division. Boston sitting in that all-important third place in the Atlantic they are five points up on the fourth place Montreal Canadiens and Boston 
with two games in hand. Gordy Howe hat trick in that one for Bruins rookie defenseman Charlie McAvoy. Bruins all over the Blue Jackets. They outshot Columbus 45 to 18. Tukarask not tested a whole lot for Boston. He improves to 6 0 1 in his last seven games. The Blue Jackets, meanwhile, they are limping into the holiday break. The Blue Jackets have lost two in a row, three of four overall. They allow at least seven goals for the second time in their last four games as Columbus remains two points back of first place in the Metropolitan Division. Blue Jackets captain Nick Foligno looking for answers. Uh, this one's inexcusable to me. Uh, there's absolutely no reason uh, for a game like tonight, especially it's 3-1 with 11 minutes to go. And, you know, we hadn't played great all night, but we're still in it. And to have that many uh, goals unanswered and just a lack of emotion, lack of care. I mean, we look careless with the puck. We look um, like almost like deer caught in headlights tonight, which is just, I don't, I don't have an answer for it. And I'm really, I'm at a loss for words, which doesn't happen often. How troubling is it given the mandate that Torts had before the game, which was let's try to dictate play? Yeah, yeah, we, we failed miserably there. I mean, uh, I don't know, just a really, really disappointing game for a team that, you know, usually finds a way to answer. And that's what I'm, I'm most disappointed about. You know what, you, you chalk it up to a loss, you get ready for the next one. But, you know, we're, we're always a team that prides ourselves on after a tough loss, we come back and we answer right away. Well, tonight we didn't. And we did it the wrong way the whole game. And uh, uh, it's disappointing. It's been a long time since you've been like this. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a while um, that I've been this disappointed in the game. You know, things happen in the game, but sometimes you just chalk it up to, okay, we were flat. But tonight, just the lack of emotion, the lack of care, and just disappointing. That this, this team, they don't use those words too often with our team. So to use, uh, to use those words tonight is, doesn't sit well with me. All right, so Boston all over Columbus, 7-2 the final. Bruins back in action tonight. They visit the Buffalo Sabres at 7.30. Columbus off today. They'll host the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena. Elsewhere, the Capitals now have company atop the Metropolitan Division as the New Jersey Devils rallied from 3-1 down. They beat the Anaheim Ducks in Newark. Now Nason tries to dig it out from the skates of Henry. Santini pinching in, keeps it alive. Here's Green out high for Boyle. Oh, now it comes to Nason. His shot is up. The rebound, he scores! Stop it, Nason! Makes it 4-3! to three. Stefan Nesson, the eventual game winner. Matt Laughlin, the call in the Devils Radio Network. Two goals each for Nesson and Miles Wood. Devils beat the Anaheim Ducks 5-3 marking the second straight game. The Ducks blow a two-goal lead. Adam Henrique scoring for Anaheim in his New Jersey return, but the Devils take it 5-3 the final. Elsewhere, the suddenly surging Philadelphia Flyers were seeking a seventh win in a row. They were taking on the LA Kings at Wells Fargo Center. The Kings looking to salvage a four-game road trip as they entered play last night winless in their first three games on the roadie. 37 left to play. He'll feed it out to center ice. Turnover. Philadelphia short. To Foley in on goal. Shoots. Scores. Tyler Toffoli capitalizes on the Flyers turning it over, coming out of their own end. Toffoli was set up between the circles and he beat Elliott on the glove side. And Tyler Toffoli with his 16th goal of the season and the 100th goal of his NHL career makes it. 
four to one Kings. Nick Nixon, the call, the Kings radio network. Milestone night for Tyler Toffoli, his team leading 16th goal of the year. And yes, number 100 for his NHL career. Alec Martinez also scoring in the LA win. Trevor Lewis, Adrian Kempe finding the back of the net. Kings beat the Flyers. 4-1 the final. LA moves back into sole possession of first place in the Pacific Division. 21-10-4. That's 46 points for the LA Kings. Two clear of the second place Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas, though, with three games in hand. Philadelphia, meanwhile, dropping to 14-12-7. 35 points still last place in the Metropolitan Division. Elsewhere, the struggles continue for the Pittsburgh Penguins as they were wrapping up a three-game road trip last night in Colorado. Cross-ice pass, hoping for Rowney, poked away from him by Varlamov, and the puck comes back out to the neutral zone with 10 seconds to go. Holy matter, will wind and blast one back into the avalanche end. Blake Como controlling for the abs, and he will saucer one down the ice as time will run out on the Penguins fall in the final game of this three-game road trip by a final score of 4-2 to the Colorado Avalanche. Josh gets off the final call on the Penguins radio network. Tyson Barry, two goals in the Colorado win. Simeon Varlamov with 30 saves as the Avalanche improved to 16-15-2 back above NHL 500. As for the Penguins, the struggle's continuing. Pittsburgh 1-2 on their three-game road trip. They've now lost five of seven overall. 17-15-3 on the year. That's 37 points, sixth place in the Metropolitan Division. And one of their final from last night, it was out west, a rematch of last year's first round series as the Edmonton Oilers played host to the San Jose Sharks. Thornton over the line, drop pass, hurdle, poke checked off a stick, turning and firing into the center of the net. It's Ryan Strom, game over. 5-3, Edmonton, 7.6 to play. Strom a pair, including the empty netter. That seals the deal. Lock it up. The Oilers have back-to-back wins for the third time this year. Jack Michaels, the call, 6.30, the Ched in Edmonton. Paragles for Ryan Strom. And yes, the Oilers go on to beat the Sharks. 5-3, the final from Rogers Place in Edmonton. So that, a look at the night on ice last night, this evening, a whole lot of action in the NHL. The Capitals and Dallas Stars, one of 10 games on a busy Tuesday in the National Hockey League. All right, when we come back, we are going to continue to look ahead at tonight's matchup between the Capitals and Stars. We'll chat with John Walton, and we'll have some more audio from inside the Capitals dressing room as a busy game day edition of Caps Talk continues in a moment. Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. Finally, finally, finally. A sports talk show in Washington completely dedicated to hockey. You're welcome. This is Caps Talk. Caps Radio 24-7, baby. All Capitals, all the time. Call the show at 1-855-GO-CAPS-5 right now or reach us on Twitter at Capitals Radio. And now a turnover is Anaheim giving one up to Wilson. Centered here to Ovechkin. Rebound, they score! Nick Backstrom on a rebound try off John Gibson. This time Anaheim with 
with a turnover, and the top line makes him pay for it. Seventh goal of the season for Backstrom, and it's 2-1. to one. There it was, Nicholas Backstrom getting the Capitals' comeback started on Saturday night at Capital One Arena. His seventh goal of the season, the shutout buster against Anaheim's John Gibson, got the Capitals on the board. They trailed the Ducks 2-1 at that point. Kenny Kuznetsov would score minutes later to tie it at two, setting the stage, of course, for Alex Ovechkin's eventual overtime winner as the Capitals win for just the second time this season when trailing after two periods of play. So an impressive comeback on Saturday for the Capitals, their third straight win overall as they'll look to keep the momentum going tonight against the Dallas Stars. As we remind you, the Caps and Stars coming up at 8.30 Eastern tonight. Pre-game coverage at 8.15 on 106.7 The Fan and the Capitals Radio Network. And until then, this is Caps Talk. We're with you every weekday afternoon. Live editions of the show at 4 o'clock Eastern on Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. All right, also some reinforcements on the way for the Capitals tonight. TJ Oshie will be back in the lineup for the first time since December 4th. Missed the last six games with an upper body injury. But TJ Oshie, 10 goals, 23 points in 28 games. He is good to go tonight. He'll be back on the second line with Jacob Verana and Evgeny Kuznetsov. As Devante Smith-Pelly will sit this one out as a healthy scratch. Good problem to have for the Capitals. They are healthy once again for the first time since early October. All right, for one more look back at Saturday's win over Anaheim and a look ahead to the three-game road trip starting tonight in Dallas, we check in with John Walton. Had a chance to catch up with John yesterday at Kettler for the Capitals headed out west. All right, John, looking ahead to the three-game road trip and looking back on Saturday night's 3-2 win over Anaheim. Wasn't necessarily pretty the first two periods. Turnover prone, the old puck management wasn't necessarily at its best, but uh, for just the second time in 12 times this season, the Capitals able to rally from a second intermission deficit, and they did it thanks to some of the big boys in terms of a Backstrom goal, Kuznetsov and Verana hooking up, and then, of course, Alex Ovechkin with the game winner. A nice come-from-behind win Saturday night against a uh, defensively sound Anaheim team. That was probably a generous assessment of being turnover prone in the first 40 minutes. That uh, was probably the worst home game that this team's played in a few weeks. But a sign of a good team is you find a way to win, and they did it against a good Anaheim team. Anaheim's in every game. I thought it was a real gutty performance in the third period. When you need a win, your leaders are the ones you turn to. To see Evgeny do that, to see Nikki do that, and Alex at the end of what was one of the longer strengths or longer shifts that we've seen from him uh, in the last few games, it almost had a, okay, you know what, we're done here. Uh, turn, boom, gone, we're going home. Uh, I loved it. I, I thought that the ending was great. I thought the third period and coming from behind, you come from two goals down against a team that has been very good, even through a lot of adversity themselves. No Ryan Kessler and uh, no Corey Perry and you know, they've been hanging stingy. around in games, stingy, and they're at the, you're on a long road trip, and at the beginning of it where you're still feeling pretty good about yourself and you're not looking at your watch going, my God, we're still on the road? Uh, it was a good win, and I, you know, now six in a row at home. Uh, since the middle of November, this team has turned the page, and I like the fact that when you look at what this team has this week, a Dallas team that's playing better, a team in Arizona that – is fast skating, underachieving at a place for whatever reason the Caps never seem to play well. And then the feel-good story of the season in Vegas, 
our first look at them and the face of the franchise, Nate Schmidt, coming up. So uh, it's a tough week, and if they can get four points out of six, that's a success. They get four points out of six, this is probably a first-place team at Christmas, and that is tremendous given where this team was on November 15th, tremendous where this team was in the offseason. I'm bullish and optimistic going into 2018 about this team just because even going back a few weeks ago, there was a lot that wasn't going right and a lot of guys pulling up their socks and rolling in the right direction. And I believe you have to go back to the second week of October, John, the last time you had the whole band back together kind of thing, all healthy. It was game five, right, when Matt Niskanen went down with the injury. So we're going back to early October, mid-October, the last time everyone was in, everyone was healthy, and we do anticipate we'll see T.J. Oshie against Dallas and uh, a nice second line there with Oshie rejoining Verona and Kuznetsov. Some positives to take in that regard, too. Knock on wood, uh, this team not only playing arguably its best hockey of late, but it's healthiest since really the first week of the season. And it's a different team, too, than when we were talking in October who was going to be on the top line where was Tom Wilson going to be in that lineup where was Jacob Brana's offensive possibility going to be this is a better team than it was then too even now even before they were healthy and certainly now I am excited on this trip to see a top six that has Tom Wilson playing with eight and 19 I love Tom Wilson in the third period on Saturday night I love what he brings to that line I don't think he's going anywhere and the slot down from that when you look at okay uh, you've got Oshi back in with Kuznetsov and now 10 goals for Jacob Brana best the second line's been all year best the first line's been all year Andre Burakovsky's still coming he's not there yet but when he does with Lars Eller uh, and the way that the bottom six is configured, it, it looks like Devontae Smith-Pelly is going to be out. Uh, as TJ said today, uh, that's a tough break. If for only Listen, four weeks ago, you could have scratched three or four guys. Mm-hmm. Now you, it's a tough decision for anyone. DSP has value, and it's tough if he's the guy that's out. It was made tougher because, okay, Alex Chason goes into Boston. <laughs> And suddenly, you know, turns into Kuznetsov, shorthanded, boom, uh, there he goes. Uh, what you've seen Chandler Stevenson do, what you've seen Brett Connolly do, this is a, a team from 1 to 12 up front that is playing a lot better. And now they're going to be healthy, hopefully for a sustained period, and we can see what they can do. I think when you look at the toughness of this trip, you are encouraged by the fact that there is health and that they are, these guys are slotted in as well as they have been all season. An interesting note on Andre Burakovsky because we anticipated he would return and quote-unquote start out on that third line with Eller and Connolly. There was some comfortability, some familiarity there, and that probably be a matter of time before he cracks the top six but that's certainly no sure thing right now especially to your point the way the top six is playing the way Wilson has slotted in on the top line and what I liked the other night John he skates 1958 that was a career high for him and something we've seen of late from Tom Wilson not only getting the big minutes but think about his play in third periods of late when he's up to 16 17 18 minutes he's saving some of his best hockey for late in hockey games he's out there in critical situations and uh, a guy who doesn't seem to tire here as the minutes are going up in the game is wearing on to your point on Burakovsky uh, for now there's no reason to move him uh, and get him more favorable matchups to get him back up to speed and get him producing offensively he hasn't done a lot lately 
uh, and certainly since he's been back in the lineup, but it'll come. He, he's got the talent and the speed, and, you know, Lars Eller has been, by and large, asked Brett Connolly last season. I mean, you can get healthy playing on that mm -hmm. third line. I would expect Andre to do that as we move forward into a pretty busy stretch of the season here uh, at midyear. Uh, Tom Wilson logging big minutes. Tom Wilson playing very well defensively. Tom Wilson opening up time and space, making plays. I can't say enough for what he, I mean, since the move, I mean, it's been, by the time that we get through this road trip, it'll be more than a month. And he has, he's been extraordinary. Uh, he has been as close to what the Caps hoped he would be on draft day. Uh, the guy who can score goals, fight if he has to, be hard to play against, hit everything in sight, uh, and scare the hell out of everyone. And, and that's what I think, you know, you think back to, uh, th this organization did not, bring him in correctly. He's been behind the eight ball since he got here, coming right from Plymouth to play on a fourth line in, in Adam Oates' last year. It did not do Tom Wilson any favors. And I think he's been fighting, maybe the, mm -hmm. the operative word, uh, to find his place uh, with this organization. Uh, it's taken some time even under Barry Trotz, but I feel like he has, and he's still young. He still is, he's a long way from 25 yet. Uh, to be able to be a guy who said, look, you don't need to fight every night. You ask a New York Islander fan, what's Tom Wilson about? Oh, he's a fighter. Ask anyone else in the division, ah, he's a fighter. No, he's more than that. But only in Washington have we seen just spurts of that, and opponents really haven't because that's what he's known for. But he's more than that. And I, I love, as much as I love anything right now about this team, I love the fact that he's coming into his own seemingly uh, with the two best players over the last decade on the roster. If that continues into 2018 and the guys are able to slot in where they are, this team's going to be tough to play against, and they might finish in first place. Made his NHL debut on October 1st, 2013, regular season debut in Chicago. It was banner-raising night. He was on a line with Martin Erat and Michael Atta. He's come a long way. Come a long way. <laughs> uh, that was, and you know what? He was on that line all year. I mean, with the fourth line. Those guys changed, but, uh, you know, playing with Beagle and playing with there there was one role for him. He knew he was good at that, so that's what for he For eight did. minutes a night, too. For eight minutes a night. He would have been better served going back to Plymouth. It's water under the bridge now, but uh, it, it hampered his development, I, in my personal opinion. And, and now, although he is still young and he still has, you know, he's, he's figured out the league after being able to become not just, and I, I've seen this, too, off the ice. He's a leader in this team. He is. He's a, he's a voice in the room. He's a guy who's picking the music. He's a guy who is one of the best interviews in the room. I think if you ask anyone in the Washington media corps that follows his team, one of the most thought, you know, thoughtful, insightful answers uh, will talk, win or lose. I, I, I can't say enough about what I feel about Tom Wilson. I think he's a guy that over these last few weeks has gone to another level, and uh, that's only good for this hockey team. And good stuff there from John Walton. Again, we'll hear from John again coming up for the official start of Caps pregame at 8.15 Eastern, Capitals and Stars, the first game of the Capitals' three-game Western road trip. All right, a whole lot more of Caps talk still to come. Game Day Edition continues in a moment. Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps mobile app. Your afternoon commute just got a whole lot better. This is Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. Talking Capitals with you while you drop your gloves in traffic. All right, welcome back. Home stretch here of this game day edition of Caps Talk. Tuesday afternoon edition of the show. 
as we continue to get you set for the Capitals and the Dallas Stars coming up just past 8.30 Eastern. Ben Raby back with you inside the D.C. studios. A fun interview segment we had earlier in the show with Jay Beagle. Spoke to Jay earlier this month at Kettler. Jay Beagle, a longtime fan favorite in these parts, recently played his 400th career NHL game, recently picked up his 100th career NHL point. Not bad for a guy who has really worked against the odds to make it to this point in his professional hockey playing career. Keep in mind, a guy who did not play uh, in the Western Hockey League in Canada, did not play uh, necessarily the top level of junior hockey as a teenager. He went the unorthodox route, played for a second-tier junior team in Alberta, then went on to play two years collegiately in Alaska. Talk about being far away from the NHL. And it was after his sophomore season in college that he received a tryout from the ECHL's Idaho Steelheads. He made that team late in the season. This is in 2007 went on to play for them in the postseason in the ECHL, made a deep playoff run that spring, and along the way, he met and was put in touch with Steve Richmond, the director of player personnel for the Capitals. Steve Richmond was tipped off on Jay Beagle and doing a little scouting, decided to check him out in person in the ECHL playoffs, and earlier today had a chance to catch up with Steve Richmond, the longtime director of player personnel for the Capitals, looking back on one of the diamonds in the rough that he discovered 10 years ago, more than a decade ago, Jay Beagle, and the story of how he came to be now the third longest tenured player in the Capitals organization. Uh, I saw him play uh, a few times at Anchorage in his first two years, and I saw him probably in, I think, January of uh, 07, his last year at Anchorage. And uh, I know his agent real well, and so we were t- talking about me bringing him to uh, development camp. I, at that time, I didn't know he was leaving school. And then as the season went on, uh, their season ended, and his agent called and says, yeah, he's, he's leaving school. I go, why is he leaving school? And I, I don't know if Jay told you, but he just decided that uh, – I think at the time he told me he was uh, going to be an electrician if he didn't play hockey and he didn't really need school and he wanted to give it a shot. So – uh, he thought it was time. So, anyways, they they started playing a playoff there in Idaho, and and um, and I liked him. And I go like, God, he, you know, if he plays well, someone's going to sign him to at least an American League deal. I said, I got to get out there and see him. So they're playing um, Vegas in the in the playoffs, and uh, I try and book a last minute flight, and it was really expensive. So I ran up back past Mac. I don't. I think Mac might have been a director of player personnel at that time. I said, Mac, there's this kid out in Alaska. It's going to cost a fortune to go see him. I can only see him one game. I go, uh, should I go? And he goes, well, if you like him, spend the money. And obviously, looking back, it's the best money the Caps probably ever spent. So I went and saw him, and I called him, and I set up a meeting for after the game, and we met at the uh, maybe at the uh, hotel uh, where they were staying at the, uh, in the bar and the restaurant. I think it was a Friday in the, in the hotel. And we just sat down and talked and said, you know, what's your thinking? And he basically told me, he goes, he knows what he's going to do if he has to play hockey and he wants to give hockey a shot. He thinks it's time. So at that time, in that game I saw him play, Ben, he was like, he was terrific. He was in the semifinals of a pro hockey league coming out of a college. Um, and he didn't look out of place at all. He was, uh, 
he obviously he was big. He can skate. He was uh, the thing I liked about him. He went to the net. He had no fear. He took the big faceoffs for him. You know, he's 20 years old at the time, and uh, he's stepping in in the semifinals of a playoffs in the pro league and and being a, a factor. So, long story short, is his agent said, "Well, the team he was with, uh, they were offering him a, a contract and maybe a tryout." I said, "Well." You know, let's let's talk. Let's bring him into development camp, and I promise you, if he plays well, we'll give him an American League deal. And I don't see how he doesn't get an American League deal. And then uh, our philosophy always was, if we sign a guy to American League and he played well, then we'd get him on an NHL deal as quick as we could. And that's what happened. So he came to development camp, and he was as advertised. He and going back, you know, we I called his uh, coaches in Calgary and uh, Alberta Junior League. Talked to I knew his coach in Anchorage. And the first thing anyone ever said about Jay, and I'm sure every NHL coach and American League coach, East Coast League coach would say, uh, hardest working player on the team. And, you know, you get the hardest working player on the team and he's got some talent, which Jay had, you you knew he had a good chance to play. And um, he came into development camp, hardest working player, great shape. Uh, Nobody knew who he was. And um, we ended up signing him. And, uh, Obviously, I guess the rest is history. You know, he's uh, he's been a terrific player for us, a terrific person, and he hasn't changed. Uh, obviously, I don't know him as well as I did back then because I don't see him that often anymore. But when I do see him, he's the same guy. He just uh, he wants to be a hockey player. He does everything he can. He made himself into an NHL player, and um, I don't know how many games he's played now. Probably close to 500, probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, it's a it's a great story, but uh, he wrote it. You know, we we were just uh, we were just taking notes. He's uh, he's a great find for us, and uh, it's just an inspiration to anybody that plays hockey. That you know what what hard work will do for you. And um, again, never drafted, wasn't highly sought after as a college recruit. Starts in the East Coast League. Nobody's like I was at the game, and I didn't see another scout there. I'm sure that there was nobody watching him when he was in Idaho in the playoffs, and. Um, and, you know, and Jay had to, you know, he uh, believed what we were telling him. Like, uh, we, were, we were lying to him. We said, you know, you play well, we'll, we'll do this for you. And uh, he believed us. And obviously it's been a great relationship since uh, that day in uh, 2007. You bring him to the camp and you say, hey, Jay, if you do your job, we'll, we'll look after you. If you show yourself well at the development camp, we'll, we'll potentially take care of you here. I, I imagine that could be... Though maybe easier said than done at development camp, you're keeping your eye, obviously, on the high-end prospects, if you will. And Jay acknowledged the odds are probably against the free agent invite. I know there are exceptions. Liam O'Brien comes to mind, but the odds are against him. And he acknowledges looking back, it's a good thing he had a good week that summer. Yeah, but I, you know, again, it wasn't like we just uh, pulled the guy in off the street. We had history on him. You know, I've seen him play probably ten times in the last two years prior to him coming to development camp. So it wasn't like he was a guy we knew nothing about. So, you know, the coaches, the GM, Mac, everyone was was uh, prepped on, you know, what to look for and keep an eye on this guy because, you know, he was six two, six three. At that time, he was probably I don't know, one hundred and ninety pounds, but. Uh, I said, you know, he can skate and he's got skill and he's great on face-off. So they kept an eye out on him. And, all, you know, all the coaches from NHL down to uh, the American League um, saw, saw what I saw. And 
So he made it he made it easy because we we knew what he was going to be. I knew what he was going to be. They didn't know, but I knew he'd come in and just be the same player. Because the, the thing is, Ben, when, when someone when everyone you talk to about a player and they say the first thing they say is the hardest working guy on the team, you know he's going to do everything it takes and be prepared. And he was, and uh, and obviously he just he kept growing and growing and growing. And now there's 500 games later, big part of a you know pretty good franchise. Um, it's a great story. It's a great story. Like I said, he wrote it. That he did all the work. We got just it. provided him the opportunity. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I imagine that it's got to be one of. I know you've been with the organization for quite some time. You've probably looked at tons of players over the years, but this this one just the way it came together and the way it has ended up north of 400 NHL games, and it took even a little bit of time to get to that point. This has got to be uh, among your favorites, I would imagine. Oh yeah, you know every scout and uh, coach and GM they always have their favorite players, and obviously you know I have a special uh, interest in Jay because I, I was there at the beginning. Every time I see him play, just uh, you know I smile, and my wife does too because she knows the story and and she's a big Jay Beagle fan. I, and who isn't a Jay Beagle fan? But it, yeah, it's uh, every time I see him uh, suit up another game. You know, when I remember when he played his first game. Uh, I think it was uh, two years after, maybe three years. Oh, eight, I think. Two, yeah, it was the oh eight oh nine season at Madison Square yeah. Garden. Yeah, and then he, you know, I just thought, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And then he played. I remember they brought him up for the playoffs, and um, and they kept him in line. I think he played three or four games in the playoffs that year too yeah, against Pittsburgh. And, yeah, yeah, they didn't take him out, and basically from then on, he really uh, never looked back. You know, like think he spent another year or half in the minors, maybe, maybe, maybe another two years i'm not sure but um he just kept growing as a player and again it's, his character is what got him to where he is and it's uh he should i know he's proud of himself he should be and, and we are too just a quick follow-up who was the agent who you had the prior relationship with his agent back then eddie ward he's still an agent so it's uh and then and, and, you know i had to get the trust of the agent luckily i was i'm friends with the agent to say you know you know, I'm sure a lot. I can't. I can't speak for other teams, but I would suspect a lot of teams would say to players, "You know, come and play well. We'll give you a contract. Yeah, great." But um, again, I had a relationship with the agent. Uh, the agent uh, played with Mac, I think, so Mac knew him. So there was a trust factor, and, and he believed, and uh, Jay believed in his agent, which you know helped us to get him in on a tryout, and. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, you smile every time you see him step on the ice, you know, 500 times in the NHL Plus playoffs. It's just, uh, it's, uh, I don't know if there's been many free agents that have played that many games with one team, really. That's a good point, yeah. That, that, and I don't, none that came on a tryout, that's for sure. You yeah. know, there's been some, you know, like maybe a Kunitz or, you know, way back Eddie Belfort and Joseph, but, you know, this, this kid coming in a tryout, just, uh, well, nobody on the staff knows him except for, you know, me at the time, mm-hmm. and to to end up where he is right now, and he's still going. And I remember last year I saw him in training camp. I said, "Dude, you're getting faster." And so he's not slowing down. I don't think he's slowing down. I think he. I think he's still getting better. You know, but it, again, it's his work ethic. He just uh, he's not going to decline, and he can still get a little better. And I think he, you know, last year was a great year for him, stats wise. Um, so uh, I think the, the big thing with Jay is you know what you're getting every night. You know, every night you can count, you know what's happening. 
You're not guessing, you know, is he going to be on today? Is he going to work today? Is he going to, no, you know, he's going to give it all and, and sacrifice and do what he has to do to win. So that probably makes it easy for a coach to put him out there. Final thing on that, and, and I imagine that the hard work is certainly the, the eye catcher there, but when you are looking at those, I don't want to call them lesser likes, but again, these sort of diamonds in the rough, and I referenced Liam O'Brien in passing a moment ago. I think you may have uh, been behind Nathan Walker as well years ago. When when you're looking at these guys, how, how different, if at all, is it as compared to looking at the high-end prospects and when you're at the World Juniors and you're seeing the sort of elite of the elite if you follow? Well, obviously, you know, the, the high-end guys, you know, stand out more because they're usually they're skilled guys, so they, they'll do something to catch your eye. Um, but, you know, again, those guys, I'm not saying it's easy, but, you know, Alex and Nicky and John Carlson and Kuzi and uh, Holtz, I mean, you know, those guys, you, you pretty well knew they are going to be NHL, really good NHL players. So, you know, when you go to games and you're always looking for something – that no one else was looking for. And sort of like with Jay's, you know, he was just, uh, besides the work ethic, because you really don't know, you see one game while you work hard. And again, working hard is not a skill, it's a requirement. Um, But he had, I think, sneaky skill. And I think he shows it now too, that people think, well, he's just a grinding guy. But you know what, he's uh, a a goal scorer in tier two. He scored, you know, 10 or 12 goals in college hockey as a sophomore, pretty good. Scored 20 goals with uh, Hershey coming up. So, I think he's got what I call sneaky skills. So um, I think going back to your question, I, I just think uh, you, you know, all scouts keep their eyes open for all any You don't write anybody off, especially nowadays. You just don't write them off. And uh, were we lucky a little bit with Jay? Well, I don't know if we're lucky. I think we're just we're fortunate that uh, um, his agent had trust in our organization, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's, it went a long way, and it's been a great relationship for uh, for everybody. It's Steve Richmond, the Capitals Director of Player Personnel, joining us here on Caps Talk. That's great stuff on Jay Beagle right there. Final thing here, uh, Steve, just uh, not apples-to-apples comparison, but a similar situation perhaps. I referenced it in passing moments ago. Uh, Liam O'Brien, another one of these diamonds in the rough, you know, brought into development camp and maybe the expectations aren't necessarily very high, but another example of someone who came in a relatively unknown and made the most of the opportunity. That's a, that's actually, I, I could tell you this, but it's a good story. He was, uh, we were having development camp. I don't remember the year he came, first came to development camp, but uh, we were, someone got hurt or backed out and we needed a player. And, I didn't have it was like literally three days before development camp, and uh, so I talked to our scouts and uh, Alan Hallworth, our Quebec scout, recommended Liam O'Brien. He said he wasn't going to camp. He said he could call his coach and agency. He was going to camp, and if he's not, he goes to be a good guy to bring in. So we brought him in. The day before he comes, he cuts his foot uh, skating. Someone steps on his foot, so he get a he got cut. And he couldn't skate, so he tried to skate, couldn't play. Like, it was about, oh, too bad for the kid. Well, we had a, I think we were going to our first rookie tournament at that time. And we needed a body, so we, you know, felt bad for the kid. He never really got on the ice. He tried to skate. So, come on back. And so he came to rookie camp, and, well, he was in our opening night lineup. So, it was, Alan Hollis was the guy that, uh, that recommended him. 
and it was just a, it was a last minute thing. And again, he's a, another story that there's no way anybody thought he would be an NHL player, and he's playing in the NHL. Yeah, especially not on opening night. I remember he came to the summer camp. The summer camp burned him, if I'm not mistaken, an invite to the fall camp. But that wasn't even he had to sign a special contract, like. A day or two before the season, he had to sign. He didn't have an NHL deal, right? He had to sign. No, he didn't have anything. Yeah. Like we weren't, even, we weren't going to bring him to rookie camp because we didn't really, we didn't really need him. But we felt bad because you know he never really got got a chance to show anything in development camp because he was hurt. So we just brought him in as you know just the right thing to do. And like so, you know, he's. I think, I don't know where we opened that year in Chicago. I don't remember where we opened, but he's in our opening night lineup. It was crazy. Open, opened yeah. at home against Montreal, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was in Montreal, okay, yeah, okay. But just, yeah, that was a great story. And great stuff right there from Capitals Director of Player Development, Steve Richmond, has been in the organization since 2002, has found lots of gems over the year, heard some of the stories there on Liam O'Brien and primarily on Jay Beagle, one of the favorites for Steve Richman. I like what he said. You know, every scout, every head coach, they all acknowledge, they all know that they have a few of their, you know, favorites, if you will, guys they discovered, maybe a little bit unorthodox way. And certainly for Steve Richmond, uh, Jay Beagle is that guy. And again, nice milestone earlier this year for Beagle's career game number 400 and his 100th career NHL point. When you consider he signed on with the Capitals back in 2007. More than a decade ago, he is the third longest tenured player in the organization behind only Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom. So our thanks to uh, Camp's Director of Player Development, Steve Richmond. Great stuff from Steve earlier today on the phone. All right, that'll do it for this afternoon's edition of Camp's Talk. A reminder, the Capitals and Dallas Stars coming up just past 8.30 Eastern tonight. The official start at Camp's pregame. At 8.15 with John Walton, Ken Sabrin, and myself on 106.7 The Fan and the Capitals Radio Network. Until then, an abbreviated encore presentation of Capstock is coming up as we remind you that Capstock is every weekday afternoon at 4 o'clock Eastern. You can always catch the podcast via iTunes or Android, and you can get it on demand online at blueberry.com slash capsradio 24-7. So our thanks to our guests today, including Tom Galitti, John Walton as well, and Steve Richmond and Jay Beagle. It's Ben Raby here thanking you for joining us on this game day edition of Caps Talk, Caps Radio 24-7 and the Caps Mobile. Listening to Caps Talk on Caps Radio 24-7. Tune in every Monday through Friday at 4 Eastern to hear the players, coaches, media, and fans talk Caps, hockey, and always taking your phone calls at 1-855-GO-CAPS-5 on your all-capitals, all-the-time station, Caps Radio 24-7.